The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the only podcast that is the official podcast of the VikingAge.com. My name is Chris Shad. I write for the Viking Age as well as zone coverage and bring me the news and the Brookings Register, of course. We do this every Monday and Thursday night right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. We're on Apple and Spotify the very next day. But however you consume us, don't forget to rate, comment, share, and subscribe so you never miss a new episode. We can spread the word to the masses. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's Friday afternoon. Why are we on the air Friday afternoon instead of Thursday night? Well, it's because of my guest. And my guest is a man that reminds me repeatedly to not let us get sued. He is the managing editor of zonecoverage.com, the recipient of all my insane ideas that normally have to do with pro wrestling. His name is Tom Schreier. Tom, get ready to call your lawyers, buddy. Welcome to the Viking Age podcast. Yeah, I don't know if I yeah, I don't know if I need that right off the bat with uh with the podcast introduction. Although this is I know you you joked here in the introduction, but I probably have said don't get us sued and it's not just to you, it's to multiple writers. Uh multiple times that's in pre-production. I want to make a, make it really clear in pre-production. We go through the topic, we edit. By the time we get published, there's no lawyers involved, but yes, occasionally I get a pitch from you guys and I'm like, yeah, well that's not that's not okay. I don't think I'm like wanted. I'm, there's no wanted posters at you at TCL. No, no, Center no. Of me. Like, no. you know, ban this guy at all costs. Target field might be a different story. I might have Derek Falvey showing up with like abacus beads on his fist, like getting ready to like brutalize one of my takes. But outside of that, I, I think I'm pretty fair. I love that Derek Falvey leads the front office of a twins team that wins a playoff series for the first time since 2002 and that folks is a long time ago long enough that they beat the Moneyball A's yes. and you, you're uh you're ranting about how he uses you know abacuses and metrics and statistics whatever analytics to uh build out the front office but yeah no it's uh I mean, here's the thing. It's it's always there's always something with Minnesota sports teams because as much as the Twins had some success, we roll right into Viking season two and four. Wild aren't off to a hot start. I guess we'll have to see what happens with the Wolves. But um, but yeah, here we sit with the two and four Vikings heading into a Monday night game against the Niners. Well, let's talk about our heroes, because the last time we saw them, they were having a triumphant afternoon. They were beating a quarterback that was pulled out of Section 403 in the third quarter. Uh, they were praising the music of Creed and Kevin Connell was handing out passive aggressive game balls, like sitting there just like, yeah, you know, I want to thank Flo, the meter maid. Uh, you know, I was late coming to the park today uh, over at Soldier Field. Uh, I double parked in a spot I shouldn't have, but Flo was like, hey, you're late. Let, just let, let me come in. And then I also want to thank the mayor of Chicago for not having us in Arlington Heights. You know, that could have been turf. We could have had somebody hurt. Now we're playing on this dirt, clay surface, whatever the hell they have at Soldier Field. And uh, Byron Murphy, Byron Murphy, our defense, uh, you know, he made the interception and then he fumbled the ball right afterward. Uh, but, but you know, other than that, it was a great play and whatever. You know, I, I mean... They're two and four. They're one game back of the Rams to the final wild card spot. And San Francisco could be without Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and Trent Richardson. They have a string of games that appear to be winnable. Do you think the Vikings are contenders if they win this game on Monday night? 
they're contenders. I like. I, here's the thing. I think the problem with the Vikings is that they could win this game. I think it's unlikely. We'll get into it. My guess here is that they cover the seven point spread, but they don't win the game. But they could win it. And I, I think what you're looking at here, and I'm pulling up the schedule, is that no matter the re- result here against San Francisco, you're at Green Bay, which is as winnable as that game's been in a while, at Atlanta, which is like one of those weird teams that I think could beat the Vikings. You know, obviously it had some success against the Packers, and whatnot, but like um, that should be a winnable game. New Orleans is as vulnerable as a long time. The Broncos, I know the Broncos haven't been incredibly successful since Manning, but this is like as bad as the Broncos have been. Then Chicago here by week Vegas that takes us to week 14 you're entering week 15 against Cincinnati so uh game in Cincinnati so like I think I get what you're saying here you're looking at a stretch that's that's pretty winnable um I think what that does is vaults you into like NFC North that discussion I mean obviously the Lions are pretty good I think the Lions right if it depends on kind of what you think of some of these other teams but um you know the Niners I'd say are the best team in the NFC the the Eagles but I think the Lions are right there. Um, there's probably some distance even between kind of the Niners, the Eagles, the, the Lions. But um, I get the thinking, at least, in that like if you pull off this seven-point upset against San Francisco, keep in mind that the, the Niners are getting seven points in Minnesota. You know what I mean? If you, I get that. If you, normally, it's a touchdown for the home team, not the away team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I mean, I think lines have changed. And it's not definitive. I just use that because, A, sometimes people actually get the favorite and the underdog wrong. And if you actually look at the, the Vegas consensus, you're like actually this team's favorite or whatever but i think that home field advantage has changed over time i mean certainly it's different it's stronger for the minnesota vikings than it is let's say for the the los angeles chargers but um i think most teams are only getting like a point and a half at home kind of by default but uh but yes i mean that's a bonkers line like the 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 vikings were four point favorites over tampa and I didn't think like I thought the Vikings were going to stomp the Bucks. Like I think they were. I'm trying to think like four point favorites over Chicago or something like that. So it's you know seven points is a obviously a touchdown is a pretty big line. Um, all that's saying is that the consensus is gamblers in America, right? Or I guess overseas are saying like, hey, we think the Niners will win by a touchdown. If they win this, I'd still just like the Vikings have to show some consistency week in, week out. I, everyone says that, but like their winning blueprint doesn't really work against good teams. The winning blueprint, because the, the Chicago game, and the Charlotte game, the you know Carolina Panthers game looked way too similar, right? It was It was like defense scores. Defense does enough to kind of keep you in the game. You need something kind of dramatic to happen. I mean, you look at the the Carolina game, it's it's Justin Jefferson on a free play, right? They got lucky on like the one-on-one. Um, you know, in this case, in the in the Chicago case, like Jordan Hicks has to be in the right place at the right time, secure the ball in stride. You know what I mean? All that has to happen. And Jordan Hicks has not scored a touchdown since he was a rookie. You know what I mean? So like you kind of need these right time, right time, whatever play. So I don't think they beat the Niners, but even if they do, they'd have to take care of business in these next games. And like the way they're winning is not sustainable. It's, there's not much margin of victory. The defense is not the strength of the team. It's very different, obviously, if even without Jefferson, right? If Hawkinson's going off, if Addison's going off, if the running game's working with Akers and Madison, we really haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah, that's that's exactly how we drew it up, right? The defense carrying this team and uh, the offense is kind of coming along for the ride, right? Uh the offense hasn't looked great this year. I, I don't know their exact stats. I don't have them off the top of my head, but I mean, they just haven't seemed in sync. I mean, letting go of Dalvin Cook was a good idea, but now you're giving 25 touches to Alexander Madison, who looks absolutely lost in that backfield right now. Uh, Cam Akers doesn't seem to be siphoning any touches. You're down Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, KJ Osborne, TJ Hawkinson. I mean, they're kind of looking like just dudes because Kirk Cousins doesn't really know what to do with the ball right now. What do you think is the biggest problem with the Vikings offense right now? Yeah, I mean, the simple answer, obviously, is like they don't have Justin Jefferson, but even with him, I mean, you know, they weren't they weren't routing teams um, a little bit. It's easy to also to point to third downs. I think they only converted 15 percent um, in Chicago. And, I, you know, the team will point to like downs one and two, but that's that gets to your point, like whether it's Madison and Akers or it's like how they're used, they should be getting more production. Like you saw, not every game is going to look like the Carolina game, but you saw against the bad run defense, like how they could kind of play off each other, right? Arrested Madison did look better uh, and Akers showed some flashes. Um, but like, you know, I, some of that starts with a little bit of the run game. Some of it is just I'm curious, and this is not really on Addison because it's in his first year, but like, what is he without Jefferson? Because like, even he was pointing out, I did a story on him and he's like, well, 
Jefferson's just open up. Thanks for it. Like he was just honest about that, right? You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm screaming up the the seam on the other side because the defense is focused on Jefferson. Um, you know, I I also think a lot of it is on TJ Hawkinson. I think there's a little bit too much made of like some of these drops, like he is being thrown kind of like 50-50 balls. It's kind of bail me out, basically football. A guy that changed the market, right? Set the market has to has a different standard, right? In terms of what he has to catch, what he how responsible he is on third down or or in high leverage plays. Um, just what he can do with minimal separation. You know, you get spoiled with Jefferson, who it feels like you just throw it kind of somewhere near him. And even if there's a guy draped on him, he often comes down with it, right? Hawkinson, you know, people will point to like, look, the drop ball against the Chargers. I would say, like, yeah, get your hands on that, but also like you could have spiked it, right? And given yourself multiple plays, you had a defensive advantage. Um, it was also just fluky. Like often, you know, the ball doesn't go off your hands off a helmet and a, a guy's just standing there ready to catch it. You know what I mean? So like, it's not, it's not a great play on Hawkinson. It is, should not be that devastating, right? When he drops it. Um, so I think, you know, I think it's a combination of though. You, you mentioned the running game and just kind of third down and, and, and making it third and manageable. I think it's Hawkinson has to be a go-to guy because otherwise that's a lot to put on Addison in his first year, KJ Osborne in the, you know, the role he is. Um, I mean, who else said Josh Oliver, right? You know, like it, yeah. it, it has to be Hawkinson. And I don't know how much of this is Madison and how much of this is just like O'Connell really is focused on passing. Right. And that's not wrong. Like that's how the NFL is going and that's his strength. But like, you know, I don't know how much this is like he has a he can make the um, running game work if you have a passing game. Um, I don't know if it works the other way around. And I here's the other thing is I would tell people you don't really want to go down that route because that is the Kubiak old Zimmer scheme. You know what I mean? Was, was yeah. run the ball to set up the pass. I, that Listen, that works with a quarterback under center with a good running game kind of in an older football. scheme. That's just not you know, that's not really how it works anymore. I just think, you know, rightfully so they built the team around Jefferson. And so they were like, let's go get Addison, for example, because like there has to be someone viable that the team has to focus on. Otherwise, Jefferson's going to get like triple teamed. Um, let's go get Hawkinson because that's how these offenses work, right? They have like a Travis Kelsey or they have like a guy who uh, a big tight end like that who's another option. So um, long way of saying is you can pinpoint the issues with it. I don't think the same. I think it's super easy to go. Ah, it's just Hawkinson. I, I just don't believe that. Oh, it's just Madison. No. Well, is Madison being put in a position to succeed? Um, oh, they just need to go to Acres. Well, I I don't know. It, part of me goes they practice all the time. Like you know what I mean? Like they're familiar with Acres. I feel like if Acres was the better running back, he he would take over as the number one. My bigger point is how do we get more to a share? Right? Shouldn't they be sharing the responsibility? Isn't that how like a running back can work? So. Um, so yeah, I think you can pinpoint what's wrong with the offense, but I don't think it's necessarily just one aspect of it that's broken. Well, and the bar is so low in the backfield right now. I, I was looking at some of the stats that Alexander Madison is posting. He's like in the 30s among like 50 some qualifiers as far as like yards after contact. Uh, he leads the league in five drops in the passing game uh, among running backs. That is, I, I mean, and also just. It's just an overall, it just seems like he's overwhelmed right now because the Vikings did not play him last year. He had a career low in carries. And then all of a sudden they brought him back. And we're like, we're going to give you 250 touches. I almost feel sympathetic towards Madison because it's kind of like, I mean, I use this with Dan Campbell all the time, but maybe it's outdated now because Dan Campbell might be a good coach. We don't know. Could be Ben Johnson too. We don't know that. But if it's it's almost like Homer Simpson running the power plant. Like if we came to you and said, hey, you can run the power plant. You can do whatever you want. You're going to say yes. You're going to take the money and you're going to come back to Minnesota. The problem is like sometimes with these pass first offenses, they take, like running backs in the grand scheme of things, they don't matter, right? Because everybody's pass first now. Everybody wants to attack through the air and stuff. But sometimes they like galaxy brain it, right? Like they take it to an extreme. Like Kyle Shanahan was doing this like a couple of years where it's like, I'm going to draft Elijah Mitchell and make him my starting running back. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pound the table for Joe Williams out of Utah, even though he's like 25 a couple of years ago. Like, you know, some coaches just turn into this whole... I, I can throw anybody back there. And even Kyle Sanan was like, let's trade for Christian McCaffrey. We have everything we need to do it. Let's go at him. And the 49ers offense reached another level. I think the Vikings kind of thought, hey, Alexander Madison will be good enough. But then he's, I mean, he's not even good enough right now. And I think, you know, he's not, I, I don't think anything on the offense is the problem, right? Even when we talk about Kirk Cousins, I don't think he's the problem. But none of these things are solutions. 
So you just have a whole bunch of gray area. You you know what I mean? Am I making sense? Here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the uh, um, I do think like the issue with Madison is I think he's a good runner, like uh, uh, you know, tough back just physically, but like he does miss holes and stuff. I mean, they, they, he is not straight up Cook. You know what I mean? Like that's at least Cook in his prime. I think they moved off him at the right time. It looks like, yeah. but like. Um, He's a different caliber back, but I think, you know, so some, some of it's how they're using it, some using him. Some of it's like what he's actually doing on the field. Um, I think the other thing is they're just not stringing like concepts together. I think O'Connell can write up a creative play. I mean, I, I think that's how Addison was getting open, right? O'Connell knows how to use Jefferson to create an opening for the second receiver. Um, I don't think it's like a complete talent misevaluation. I mean, certainly you're going to get criticism when you're, you're Hawkinson and like you reset the market and you've had the production you have, but also like there is just a certain extent to, you still know what he is. You know what I mean? Like, like he's still, he is a dynamic tight end. He's not straight up a wide receiver. Um, uh, I think the bigger point is just kind of play calling and stringing stuff together, right? Setting something up in the fourth quarter that pays off in the third or like, you know, understanding how to create a rhythm to keep teams off balance. So they're kind of guessing whether you're running or passing the ball, um, even allowing Kirk Cousins to do what he wants to do, which is distribute the ball. Like we've noticed this. He does not really hold a grudge, right? Hawkinson has a bad drop in Chicago. He actually I think that was the first pass to him and it was like middle or late in the second. And then like he strung together. Uh, you know, eight receptions or something like that after or maybe eight targets. But regardless, like he kept going back to him. There's times where he looks like he's just ignoring Addison. And then all of a sudden Addison gets the ball three times in a row, inclu- including a fourth down. I think he went to Powell on a fourth down. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, so cousins really does. There's not this like Aaron Rodgers dynamic. Obviously Rodgers is a, a better player and, and, and more dynamic quarterback, but he's not cousins doesn't have that grudge where you drop a ball, you run your route wrong. You'll never see the ball again. It really took like a Jalen Rager esque like that Indianapolis game where he was just all over the place. And I think cousins was just like, I can't, I can't have this. Like, I, you know what I mean? The guy has to finish his route and he has to know if it's or zone. Um, you know, I think if as long as the guys are giving your effort, and I think Powell, like for example, is running good routes at times, right? I think Addison is coming along for a rookie. I actually think the route running there is there and as advertised. Um, I think Hawkinson's a good player put in the right position. I think Osborne's a cable depth receiver, right? And I think Cousins recognized that at some point O'Connell's play calling and the information Wes Phillips is getting from up, so he sits up in the booth, right, and takes the Eagles' eye view of the field. Like Together, they should be putting together a plan of, oh, we're starting to see like the defense is moving this way. We, you know, we have an opening here. They're really leading the zone. We can have a coverage to or a concept to beat the zone, whatever it is. Um, and I think, I think that's the issue. And I think the thing is, this stuff gets covered up when you just burn it down because like there's so much wrong with the team when you take away the talent and when the expectation isn't to win and when you're playing like just awful football. I think it actually covers for some young coaches. Remember, O'Connell was not calling plays, right? He was under the McVay scheme. He understands what McVay, how McVay gets guys open and designs plays. I don't know if he totally understands or like, or like, can completely replicate how McVay calls a game and builds some things. And so, I don't think it was wrong for them to to go in and try to get that, you know, have that thirteen win season. I think we'd feel a little bit different if they beat the Giants, which they should have. Um, certainly, there's an argument to burn it down, but I always tell people that doesn't always work. The flip side is, if you don't burn it down, you expose yourself in kind of the the newbie aspects of being a coach that like he probably doesn't have play calling down perfectly at this point. Yeah, and I think when you talk about burning it down or you know, as I wrote at zone coverage today, you know, maybe it's just trimming the fat because I think Quasi, the big thing is he's got to see like what, what the trap is here. Like this team does so many things wrong that are just basic things like hanging on to the ball, getting play calls, basic execution, like having enough guys on the field and all of those things. And the football gods maybe actually be being like, Hey dude, you should like think about the future. Like Justin Jefferson's hurt and Marcus Davenport's hurt. And yeah. we have this really loaded quarterback class right now. You you want one of these guys? And the Vikings are like, no, nine wins. Yeah. Here's the hardest thing. You wrote a piece about how like the that whole weekend was kind of a trap for the Vikings. Like, it, you know, I was thinking about this because my cousin, so my cousins cousins went to Notre Dame um, uh, brother and sister and like uh, they were at the game so USC Notre Dame and I kind of I was joking with them I'm like oh have you seen Clacy or whatever and uh, and it's clear I mean listen the Vikings had people all over I, I don't 
it's not, especially when the game's in Chicago, you know what I mean? They're, they're playing the Bears in Chicago and they're, South Bend's like two hours away or whatever. Like, it's not unheard of for a GM to go down there. They had people at other high-profile college football games and maybe even ones where they're kind of scouting someone they feel is a gem or whatever. These guys are doing dil- due diligence year-round, right? But like, and there's nothing like kind of getting your eyes on a player in real time in addition to studying the film. So um, still, Kwesi watched Caleb Williams' worst game. You know what I mean? Like, I believe that was three interceptions. Notre Dame's defense is very good, typically. Um, uh, we saw in that game, he was under pressure. Like, you know, he's thrown into smaller windows. He's trying to make kind of magic happen, and, and Notre Dame was not allowing that. So, um, you know, you have that aspect of it. You have the the Vikings winning this ugly game in Chicago, um, which never really felt out of hand. I guess that's easy to say when they bring in Bajan, who you joked, like, came out of Section 403. But, I mean, this is a guy from Shepherd University. We were looking up. I think his last game was against the Colorado School of Mines. That's not like Can a we joker, rule but... that out, though? I mean, the yeah. guy just looked like a – they're like, what? hey, he looked like the quarterback from Remember the Titans, like what? Sunshine or whatever his name is. But... The funny thing on short passes, he actually looked more decisive than Fields. But, like, yeah. I think the uh, – the funny thing is, you know, they do the inactives before the game. Anyone who gets there early enough, they literally just display it on the Jumbotron. And I was sitting there. I was like, wait, Nate, like Peterman's still in the league? You know what I mean? And I was like, well, who do they have that's like, not that Peterman's that good, but like, who's the backup if Peterman's just sitting on the, you know, inactive or whatever? To be fair, I did not know who Bajant was. Um, but I think the, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just a, a matter of like, um, yeah, that ugly game and, and, and you know, this stuff starting to add up where I, uh, you're probably not going to tank around. The issue actually is you lose to the Niners, which is the most likely outcome here, right? Monday night football, you start heading towards the mushy middle. And I, you know, Sam Ekstrom, who's back with us, a long time zone coverage writer, who's back right now on Wednesday. It's like, he wrote about how there's this like path to, to nine and eight and then 500, however you want to see it. Like, listen, you can read this off. You would let off like, Hey, are you contending if, if you beat San Francisco? Um, it's because you look at green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, Chicago at home, Vegas, right? With a bye week in week 13. Like, you go, well, that's all winnable. You know what I mean? Yeah. The problem is it is winnable. And so if you're two, I'm trying to add this up. If you're two and five, right? After San Francisco, so you win all those, you get back to six and five. You know what I mean? You get back to 500. I mean, I, that again, that's simple math. People can do that at home. But that's also making, that's ensuring that you're winning all those. You know, you get into this point where it's like, People go, oh, you know, we, we look at it, we go, oh, Vegas is on the schedule. That's an easy one. Or, you know, Chicago, people are, the other fan bases and other people who analyze other teams go, oh, Minnesota's on the schedule. That's a win. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, they could go three and three there and you're getting into, yeah, this just kind of mushy, like five and eight territory where I don't know what you do with that. And like, I do, I know people hate that, like the Wilfs are, are kind of all in. I will say this, like they interviewed multiple people, multiple coaches, talked to a lot of people about who to hire. Right. And I, I I'm still on board with O'Connell. I think we can have the crazy discussion if we want to, but like, you know, I'm on board with O'Connell, but like other coaches were also probably telling him like, Hey, you have enough here. Like you're going to have to just kind of work around the edges and at some point probably move off these veterans and all this stuff. But like, it's not as though the Wilfs are just doing this blind. I think if multiple people had come towards them and be like, Hey, look underneath the surface for a second, you have to, you have to burn this down for someone else to succeed. They probably would have. Um, and I, in general, I think you want owners like the Wilfs. I, I don't think they're perfect by any means. And certainly they're like, you think of like the Rooney's and the Maras and the, you know, whatever the, the kind of people we think of as the best ownerships in the league. Like, um, I don't know if they're quite there yet. That tends to be like comes with championship pedigree, but you want owners who, who provide good facilities. It sounds ridiculous and feed the players. Although that's not always the standard, take care of their families, uh, build a stadium that, that fans want to go to in general. I think people want a competitive product. Product, um, product. I don't think that's like right now. People aren't thinking that because um, because the Vikings could stand to benefit from the good quarterback class, and this this team just isn't super inspiring. And even going to last year, everyone knew eleven and zero, and in these one score games, like was not sustainable, right? Um, but I think it's better than you can you can get caught. I know the Browns defense is good now, and they're a little bit better, but you can get caught in the Browns trap. You can be the Cincinnati Bengals for before Joe Burrow. You can be kind of these teams that just kind of hover in these, you know, like um, six seven wins, right? Forget nine ten, and like um, I just think in general, pushing for competitiveness is good. But it has cost the Steelers at times. It has probably cost New England at times. Like, I understand you can't lose with Brady, but also, like, man, they never had, like, receivers. You know what I mean? Um, and I think, uh, you know, there is, there's always a negative to anything to do. But, um, but yes, yeah, so that's the issue is more like you, you, 
beat Chicago, you risk the mushy middle. The other thing is, I mean, I guess you risk it some ways in Carolina, but Carolina is just bad and Carolina is not trying to lose, right? They don't have the pick. Um, the other big issue is that you started out with that loss to Tampa. I mean, again, like Tampa maybe is a little better than we thought, but like everyone is looking at it as like Baker Mayfield's last stand. I think the fact that they like rolled out those old jerseys, like they did not want these cool old school jerseys to be associated with a loss in week one of the season. You know what I mean? And like, um, the problem is then the, the, I actually think Tampa's the disruptive game so far, you know, we'll see what happens here with, with San Francisco. Cause it matters if you get blown out, it matters how close it is matters. If you pull off the upside, obviously, but like that's actually this disruptive game because I think you'd be three and three otherwise. And the other thing is I think that chargers game always was going to be 50 50 like i think of that lady who's like a diehard chargers fan who was on tv that whole time Did you know she you know was a vikings she's actually from that's minnesota what yeah sorry that's what i'm getting at and no, no no no, i think it's a good point and like the way it's explained is like look she's from minnesota but she's been in la 20 years like kind of adapted the chargers um we can get in the bait of does that matter when they put her on tv i don't know i mean i think she was just entertaining at, at you know whatever I, admittedly i was like that was one of the few like primetime games that's been good so that i was focused on that but like um the point is, she's watching two suffering franchises who suffer kind of in the same way. The difference is the Vikings have one of the best home field advantages, this diehard fan base, like su- long-suffering fan base. And the Chargers, I mean, if you listen to like people who've gone to that Dallas game, for example, and Dallas shows up here, right? There's very few teams that actually have a presence here. Green Bay, naturally, because there's so many people from Wisconsin here, and it's obviously not very far. Um, Dallas definitely has some. Um, I'm trying to think. There's someone in town recently where we were like, uh, Chiefs, Chiefs, yes. yeah, and Chief, to be fair, Minnesota. I think it was 60 40 each place, right? I think it was 40 percent Vikings fans. I was there in 2019, drove down with uh, Luke Inman, um, Sam Ekstrom. These guys all work for us. Obviously, Ruf Hassan. We were all down there, and like we all looked at it and we're like, man, that's a lot of Vikings fans for an away game. But and Vikings, obviously, Arizona people show up. Uh, Miami probably like any of these kind of like Sun Belt, you know, destinations or whatever. But um, and Vikings fans travel pretty well. I've traveled to a couple of games. You usually see people, you know, in purple on the on the plane. But um, regardless, like people are like, that's a Cowboys home game, right, for the Chargers. But the point is, it's like that game because they were. It's so funny that the Chargers and the Vikings are similar because you think of like the caliber quarterback, like Herbert is, like Keenan Allen. You know, like you, you th- also they're usually a flashy team, right? I always think of the even go back to San Diego go the chargers always had like kind of like glamour muscles you know they had receivers and quarterbacks and lt like, even guys in the secondary yeah lt and guys in the secondary but you looked at the trenches and you're like those guys are just like smaller than everyone else in the league you know what i mean like i think uh um regardless like somehow they have ended up in the same result where it's like they have these devastating losses so to me the tampa was the disruptive game and the problem is is like you know that actually is going to have a tail as long as you get kind of results you expect, because again, I don't expect the Vikings to go on a winning streak after this. They can, they're capable. It's the schedule is set up that way, but I don't expect the Vikings to go on a winning streak after the Niners game, regardless of their assault against San Francisco. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, this is a weird thing is that like the Vikings changed to a very different head coach, a very different GM. Um, there's a different culture there, a very different set of players. I know, cousins is still there and stuff but they've let a lot of the veterans go um into a new facility recently have a pretty good ownership all this stuff and it's weird the vikings just like kind of sink into this and i think it's just the way the nfl is designed unless you're particularly great and particularly well run or you're particularly terrible or just not committed to winning you end up in the middle and that does make every game interesting any game uh, sunday any given sunday the fact that every team can kind of convince themselves they can win 10 games at the beginning of the year the problem is the vikings fall victim to that dynamic it feels like every year and it feels like they might again given it's weirdly the result no one wants people either wanted them to replicate the 13 win season or tank and get a quarterback well since they're stuck in the middle they have to kind of make some decisions and this is another article i wrote at zone coverage this morning as i kind of mentioned a little bit before you know it's it's not black and white it's more of the gray area where they kind of live in when it comes to selling at the deadline or uh, you know, going gung ho, maybe even buying a piece at the deadline. I don't think they'll buy. I think they just stay pat. Yeah. But I don't think, you know, I, I think the sexy name, which has kind of died down in the last week after he tried to vaporize Kevin Seifert, if he asked if he would uh move his no trade clause. But Kirk Cousins, yeah. like starting quarterbacks normally don't get traded and have success at the deadline, first of all. And 
Kirk's going to be looking yeah. for a new contract next year. There's going to be a bidding war. I'm, uh, you know, there's been a report that the Rams and the 49ers would play tug of war with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings would be kind of stuck in the middle. Like, wh- wh- where are you on Kirk Cousins? Should this be his last year and should the Vikings move on? Or do you think there's some merit to like Jay Glazer's report where he said, hey, they would like to have him back, but it seems like a lot of things have kind of changed in these first six weeks of the season. Yeah. I mean, Kirk cousins is so funny that he is the most interesting person who's trying not to be interesting. And I actually think he's not trying to be interesting. Like, I think he truly like thought it's sticking himself in a plex. Yeah. I was, I was just going to ask you, is he Ned Flanders? Like uh, uh, there is a, no, there is a Ned Flanders, you know, honestly, here's the thing. It's so funny. A lot of my friends have texted me after watching the Netflix doc. And it's so funny. These players are so reluctant to like do stuff like this. And then like everyone on there, people even, I loved Mariota. I liked Mariota mm-hmm. before, but I was like, dude, no matter how good that guy is at quarterback. And obviously he's had a tough pro career, obviously a really good college player, but like that dude seems awesome. Yeah. Like he just does. And obviously I loved Mahomes more after this cousins. I told a lot of people, Hey, he's kind of the, the same guy you see, you know, or like the guy I see in the locker room seems similar to the one on Netflix. Obviously there's stuff that, isn't shown on Netflix and doesn't have in the locker room, but like he does seem, I've only talked to him a little bit. The weirdest conversation I had with him is he is from Holland, Michigan. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I think people know this at this point. My sister lived in on the border of Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti. So Ann Arbor is obviously where Michigan is. There's Eastern Michigan and uh, a school in, in Ypsilanti, um, which obviously is a smaller school, smaller city. Ypsilanti is where um, KJ Osborne's from. And my sister had driven. Yeah. So she actually knew the high school Osborne went to. He did. Osborne had transferred out to Florida before he he ended up at Buffalo. It's very funny that Eastern Michigan, this tiny program, didn't even bother to, to recruit him. Osborne, obviously, no matter what you think of him, really incredible story what he's done with his career but um my sister lived there for a little bit went to the university of michigan for a little bit worked at eastern michigan for a little bit um she drove to holland because there's this tulip festival the weirdest conversation i've had with kirk cousins obviously this is off the record because who the hell would want this on the record on like channel 11 or something but like you know like was about this tulip thing and he loves it he loves tulip time and he's like genuinely loves tulips in holland michigan my sister and my mother did too but i think the 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 point is like anytime i talk to him outside of that like he actually just does seem like a normal guy you know what i mean i think if you get into kind of his worldview and stuff like that i mean I, I, it is different than a lot of other people's but like he acts like a pretty normal dude by the way kj osborne does too and jordan hicks and you know and a lot of these guys are just kind of dudes you know what i mean but like i uh, and I think Cousins does not want to draw attention to himself. I don't think he wants to be interesting. And yet, like, this should be straightforward. It is not hard to trade Kirk Cousins if he wants to be traded. I wrote about this. It is a one-year, $10 million contract. And actually, it's less than that because he's been paid out per game, right? But that is all that is due. All you, all that counts against the cap and all you have to pay Kirk Cousins is for the game he plays, right? The cap is extremely, extremely complicated. And Rob Brzezinski is... Like which another another guy for how smart he is. Like if you talk to him, just like kind of in the lunch, normal dude. I'm like I'm like I you have to expect him to say something that just like blows your mind and you drop dead. You know what I mean? Like your your brain just stops processing everything. But like again, like this that dude's a wizard. Like I don't totally understand. I mean I'm sure he would just be like a lot of it's just moving money back and knowing how to account for it. But like still like to the Vikings, he has a very Kirk Cousins has a very complicated contract. It's like I think they own like he has like a 28 million dollar cap hit next year, which again you can spread out. I think he has cap hits going like until 2027 because again, they just keep shoving money backwards to be cap compliant because again, he didn't want like a one year deal. He wanted something like a three year deal reportedly in the off season. Um, bonus money doesn't matter to a team, right? If Kirk cousins went 
look, I'm happy here in Minnesota. He has said, like, he actually literally said this on the record this week. He, you know, so he had as, at Michigan State, he beat Michigan three times, and you know, he kind of joked how, like, if you you can walk the streets if you if you beat the, the you know the rival. You have to walk the alleys if you if you lose, right? And like he goes, I can walk walk the streets of Michigan all the time, and that's good because I'm returning to Holland. Like Holland is home; it's probably where he will go back. But I think Minnesota is kind of a pseudo home to him, and I don't really know if he's interested, given his age and given you know people saw his kids in the Netflix show. Like I don't know how interested they are in like you know relocating them or having it. But like if he was like, dude, I'll just go to New York for the end of the season. And like that team has a great defense. I like the coaching staff. If he does, I think they have enough weapons offensively. I get to hang out with Dalvin Cook. I don't know. Like he could do it. Like that's not as unfeasible as it seems. And if there's, if he was like, dude, Kyle Shanahan loves me. I don't know why they would move on from Purdy. Like Cousins is an upgrade, but you know what I mean. Like going through that whole transition and overall for a marginal upgrade in my mind, like not super worth it. But if he was like, dude, Kyle Shanahan loves me, and I want to go to a place where like feel appreciated and it's a winning team if he's just kind of ring chasing honestly because you look at san francisco i can't remember the other team someone threw out like atlanta i don't know how likely that is but like if he really just wants to go ring chasing in a place like san francisco or new york he could i think you know he there is part of him that i think actually believes the one and oh thing that just focus on this week i actually believe that he's pretty oblivious to most of the stuff that's said about him i certainly as you know we always say don't get sued i'm not going to tempt fate in that category i'm not going to throw something on the website just to see like hey does well kirk cousins read this but like um and likely what it is is you know it's more like someone who knows him reads it and lets him know but like i think that guy goes i have a pretty secure contract i've made more money than i can ever spend and his kids are taken care of and their kids and that whole line right and like he will live a pretty happy life no matter what it does. I, I remember talking to someone and being like dude i think he'd be a great quarterbacks coach and they're like yeah but i think he's just gonna go home and just like hang out you know what i mean like I, he'll probably coach high school or something yeah. you know what i mean like he might go to holland catholic or i think that's the the school holland christian whatever it was like he might just go back to his high school and and coach Right. Um, but I think I don't think he cares. I think there's on the roster margins or or honestly, guys like Hawkinson who just got to deal. Maybe those I don't think Hawkinson specifically, but those are the type of players that care. But you will drive yourself nuts. You can always find something, you know, even even you and I can go find stuff. If we want to go down Reddit rabbit holes and stuff where people are criticized or Twitter, or whatever it is like that's magnified. Obviously, if you're a professional athlete, and you have major platforms writing about you. But like, I don't think he cares. And I think he does just care about winning. I, I know it's pretty funny how he responded but i think the reason why because i think he's come out saying he's not going to waive the no trade is that like i think he just does not want to be asked about this all the time I, I i don't think that disqualifies him entirely from a trade i think if i'm kirk and i'm or i'm like someone he was listening to right i think i would tell him unless you really want to go i would tell people i'm not waiving the no trades clause i'm happy here i'm trying to win however if a deal comes up take it because you know this always happens nick saban i think said he wasn't leaving the dolphins right for the alabama job like who the hell is actually gonna you know you have to ask his media because you have to information gather and you have to get people on the record you know on certain things so seifert who's one of the best in the business obviously asked a really smart question there but like i think if you are representing kirk cousins i think or anyone player in that situation you're going like dude the team's actually still like doing fine and like you know whatever and so yeah i think i think it's i think that's the direction he's going to go in i think he's going to say he's going to stay here i think he is here throughout this year i think the bigger question is like is he gone next season and if he is like what are you doing with all it's not quite the ryan Suter preview i know not everyone here is like wild fans but like the wild bought out two like really expensive players are really cap strapped like it's not going to be quite that bad but you're going to have to deal with a lot of dead cap and it does accumulate because like i think Dalvin Cook had some dead cap. And I think like, um, I don't know if it's Zadarius or Dalvin Thomas, you know, some of those guys do carry some, right? So like, you're going to have to deal with the dead cap. But it's to me, it's a bigger issue of like what you're doing going forward at quarterback beyond if it's cousin, not what's your plan there. Um, I don't think he gets traded at the deadline. You know, I, I think it's very similar to the situation we're seeing with Daniel Hunter, because everybody's like, if you get rid of this guy, what do you do? to replace him like it's not you know the bears are just like we just want to get rid of everybody we're just gonna you know screw whatever is gonna happen to the team we want to be bad anyway and we want to get caleb williams like the vikings they still want to win they want to win next year and with daniel hunter he's leading the nfl with eight sacks he's on a one-year 17 million dollar deal um you know you look at the bradley chubb deal last year you got a first, a fourth, and Chase Edmonds in the hall from the Dolphins, I believe, uh, was that trade. But 
I mean, you also look at it and you say, hey, uh, we need to get another edge rusher if we get rid of Daniil. Like, what do you think they do with Hunter? Is that a guy you're keeping, even with the injury history, even with the need for a new contract? Or is that somebody where, you know, we can't keep everybody? Uh, Maybe Kirk's got to leave and we got to re-sign Daniil Hunter because he's part of this window. Yeah, I mean, I think that he he's more likely to go. I mean, I do think it, it, Matt freeze had a good breakdown on, on zone coverage, breaking down the film, why uh, he's so special. Um, uh, Daniel Hunter, I, you could justify extending him. I think the issue is you talked about the injury history. You talked about like kind of what this defense is. I mean, I, listen, they're blitzing so much because they kind of have to, I understand people are upset. They're doing it against Herbert. Like we know the other way doesn't work. The, the Donatel keep everything in front of you. And that's kind of the other option. If you can't rush with four, if you're not getting pressure from the edge, you have to send extra guys. Uh, And four is is one of the best in the business at doing. He's disguising it in a way that is not allowing explosive plays. He's getting on Herbert within like under three seconds, which Herbert's ridiculous, right? And like, you know, 50% against Mahomes, he's hovering in that 70%. Otherwise, it's going to work against Fields. I don't think it's going to work as well against Purdy as some people think. Again, that's Nelson Thielen's piece today, like really smart piece on how Purdy is a little better quarterback than people think. But Point is, I get it. If you trade to Neil Hunter, I think it's smart from a kind of dollars and cents, like risk prevention deal, right? Unless you're like certain he's going to sign for three more years and you'd be good within that window. I don't know how you're generating pass rush. I actually think Davenport went healthy, was productive. I think most people agree with that. Um, what do you do without two edge guys like that? Yeah. I think the flip side is like, this goes back to kind of what Daniel Hunter wants. Like Daniel Hunter might, he's maybe in a different position than Kirk. We know less about him. I think he's more quieter guy and stuff like he may be like, yeah, dude, it'd be cool to go like play for a team. And also like, he probably knows what he's supposed to do. It's not like there is a complication to being a, uh, Ed rusher, but like, it's not being a quarterback. You know what I mean? Um, it's like capture the flag. Well, and it's more your Basically, moves. Yes. It's it's like, how do you beat the tackle? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you, if you talk to a guy like Dalton Reisner, look at it from the other way, right? Like, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is, you know, like it's different as a defensive player and a player in, in, in Hunter's position. Like Dalton Reisner comes in guy who was like, I believe a second round pick by Denver. I mean, you think of how weird is his life has been like, this is he's from Wiggins, Colorado, which is like, it's technically in Colorado, but it is heading Northeast. Like if you've been to Denver, it is not close to Denver. It is like off of I 75. It is basically Kansas goes to Manhattan, Kansas, which probably felt like a big city to him. Right. And plays a big program goes back to Denver. And then all of a sudden the Broncos give up on him. Right. And I think um, he comes in. I, don't, I know he visited, but he comes in the middle of the season and this is not like basketball. You know, I'm doing a story on him. So I've talked to him a little bit. I was like, look, basketball players do this all the time. They just like switch cities. They'll like switch teams and they're perfectly fine. And it's because like basketball is just a different game. It's more about understanding the four other guys around you and kind of imposing your will or figuring out how to impose your will on, on a defensive player. Like there's systems and complications with um, now granted, I think Reisner's in a similar system and he's worked with Cooper. I'm trying to think of his first name, but the, the offensive line coach for the Vikings before, but like Reisner mostly just talks about, I need to know the guy in front of me and I need to know kind of the strategy. When do they run stunts and stuff like that? Right. But like, it is just different. Like, like Daniel Hunter's gift is that like, obviously stronger and faster than most people, but he's also like, just knows how to get around tackles or knows how to get around offensive linemen. And like, um, it just might be easier for him. Now I get it. Like if you trade Hunter tomorrow, right. And then does cousins go? Well, like, okay, let's say after the Niners game, let's say they lose the Niners, they trade Daniel Hunter. Does Cousins go, well, what am I doing here? But I just think Cousins is in a different spot. You know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. we just know more about him. We kind of know who he's like. I mean, you're also talking like what you do beyond that. I mean, I don't know how many big trade pieces there are. Someone was mentioning Cam Bynum and I was like, hold on to that. Like mm-hmm. a young guy like that. Not only I thought, think really good player, but like a guy who's kind of a voice in the locker room. Um, people would say Jordan Hicks. I would say this like, A, what are you getting for him? B, he is he has a leadership role. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not Kendrick's bar, you know what I mean? In their prime and kind of what we thought of them in terms of how integral they were to the Vikings. Um, but like, you know what I mean? Like the reason why you move Hunter is because you actually get a pretty good return. Um, and the reason why you probably can't move Kirk is because he has control. He has a no move clause. May not want to go. You kind of mentioned it a little bit. I mean, Ezra Cleveland, some people have tossed out that name because he's uh, having a great season. You but he's have Reisner. But yeah, A, he's hurt, and B, I don't know. I mean, do you really want to mess with the offensive line right now? Harrison Smith, I, I don't think he, I, I mean, maybe, um, but what are you getting for him again? You know? Yeah, I mean, and I just, I Harrison's was harder because he's just kind of a mystery as a person. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I, you know, who knows? Maybe a guy like that goes, yeah, I kind of want a chance. I just, I'll say this. I think from the outside, people look at, you lose the Niners, two and five. They look at it and go, oh, it's another 500 season. Do you make the playoffs? Because at that, you know, look, if you're looking at the 500 range, the, Detroit's better than that. So you, you sneak in the playoffs as a wild card, right? And how likely is it you, that's not how likely it is you, you in the first round. That's not how players think. I think players, again, you think week to week, but I think it's also like, you have to have so much confidence in yourself to get to that level. And I think they go, they go, they see that as this is in their control. I think, I think even if you lose to the Niners, they go, yeah, we just have to take care of business in the next six games. Now I'd say that's six games over seven weeks. You're going on the road for some of these like Packers is always, even when the Packers are bad, they're, they're good against the Viking. You know what I mean? It's, it's a weird dynamic. And like, but I think they go, it's in our control. Get us to six and five coming off a bye. Let's go upset Joe Burrow. Cincinnati hasn't been on fire. Now we'll see what condition they're in kind of by that point in the season. But like, I think they'd see it as like, no, 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 just get us in the playoffs. We'll have a chance. I think honestly, you looked at last year and they're probably looking at like, those were 13 wins. They went in the locker room and celebrated after that. You know what I mean? And I think it's easier for me to look. Cause I, I mean, I was lucky enough to be at the Buffalo one, like the Indianapolis one was ridiculous. Like, you know, I'm thinking back on some of those wins or like how even like Miami, how you let them back in and like, how you know, like in past years that actually probably would have been a loss. And I looked at it and I was like, I actually thought they were going to beat um, New York and get crushed by San Francisco. And yeah. I looked at the result in New York and I was like, I know they beat the Giants, but barely in the regular season. And like, they weren't always going to win one score games. And like, dude, Daniel Jones, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> how much does that really- guy miss Ed Donatel, by the way? It's just like, well, and just like even Dayball looked like, and I think Dayball is a good coach, but Dayball looked like a genius. And then, I mean, I barely watched that Buffalo Giants game, but I was like, man, that like, what is happening in that football yeah. game? And that's on the <laughs> Buffalo side too. But like, yeah, you know, I just kind of like, I looked at all that and I was like, yeah, you shouldn't win that. But it was, I get how it happens. Like you just tempt fate enough. And, and I think, I think I think it's something like I mean, look at it. It's like kind of bled into this year. I don't think that's directly. It's a, there's obviously a time lapse between the playoffs and the start of the regular season, and and they would go through training camp, and they had all these veterans go. But you know, yeah, I mean, it just you understand how they lose a game like that. But I just don't think. To be fair, I looked at it. I I told you. I think I told you this. I bought a ticket to San Francisco. I, I went to school out in the Bay Area. I have some friends who live in the city. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go out there. I don't really have expectations that the Vikings are going to win or even that it's going to be a great game. But like, why not go to a playoff game? And when they lost, I still went out and hung out with their friends who were kind of like, yeah. why did you buy the ticket? And I was like, I get it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I get it. You can't ever rely on the Vikings be- even winning a game. They're fa- the only game they lost as a favorite last year. But um, but even if, you know, even if you look at that result, like, you know, I think I think that like, they if they had let's say beat the Giants and lost to the Niners, I think the group that comes back, right? It, this is no Kendricks, no Thielen, whatever. You know, all these no Cook, all these changes they made. I think they'd still look at it and be like, "Hey, we got to the second round, and like we look good at times in certain drives against the Niners or whatever it was." And I just, you know, I think that's why like a Harrison Smith probably doesn't go. I think a Hunter, it's just more like it kind of makes some sense unless you're certain you can. Because here's the thing: it's not just like do you know Hunter has value until he's probably 32, 33. Yeah, it's more like. Daniel Hunter might just go. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And so like that's why that makes sense. And Quasi's, you know, he's obviously worked in Wall Street. Like he he's seen these guys kind of as assets and, and stuff like that. I mean, I think I will say this. I think he does respect the players as as people. I don't think this is a matter of a guy who just I think because he never interacts with the media and like, you know, he's not very front facing, right? O'Connell is kind of the front facing guy for the Vikings. Like we think of him sitting in a tower somewhere in TCO Performance Center, you know, just typing away at his computer and never whatever he'll come down and talk to the guys it's not you know he's not impersonal um but like um he's gonna look at it and go hey there's some risk even if we retain him i just i think hunter's most likely to go i'm not even certain that's gonna happen and i think it's more like once you remove that jenga block you're like it's not down but you know what i mean like i don't play a ton of jenga but you know how like if you kind of start removing the stuff from the bottom even if you stacked it right on top it's like it's just you know kind of wavering the whole time like once you remove hunter it's it's kind of like the tower's going to come down and right. you know i don't know i mean it's just i i do think you know it did it did feel very close and it's it's weird that their schedule is just the way it is but it just felt very close to like something's telling them beyond their control at least to some extent right any game that comes down to one score is a little bit 50 50 right and there's some bad luck involved like something out of their control seemed to be saying go get the quarterback, you know, like just for one year. And, uh, you know, they've been resisting it. But I just will tell you, like, if you look at the whole schedule, it's not just that you played Carolina and Chicago early. It's that like somehow this team 
13 wins, win the division, all that stuff. Ends up with a pretty manageable schedule, and that's what makes the Tampa game frustrating, and it's what makes the Chargers game frustrating because I'm actually convinced like Cousins is never going to drive winning. And you look at the quarterbacks that what drive winning, the Mahomes, the uh, I think Herbert will, um, Joe Burrow, um, Josh Allen to the extent he has. There's a lot when you think about it. It's like I keep going through AFC teams, right? Because you're like you're like eventually there's gonna be like seven, right? CJ Stroud yeah. is probably gonna be Lawrence is probably gonna be in that mix, right? There's also teams with Purdy, and everyone goes to Dilfer and Black or, and and uh, Flacco, but like there are Brock Purdies. There are I, listen. I think Jalen Hurts is dynamic, but Jalen Hurts is not like Mahomes or Burrow in my mind. Um, even Josh Allen. You can win with a quarterback of Cousins caliber. It's just everything has to be right around him. And the problem is it's like it feels like the Vikings are kind of holding on to a marginally good roster as opposed to like 2017 where you have this like bonkers defense like the 2017 Vikings are the Browns probably look at Browns fans probably look at that and go right and like they spend all that money on the quarterback and like Jets fans go we well we had the second pick right and like Zach well how can Zach Wilson not just be Kirk Cousins, right? I think there's some people that are kind of thinking that over, you know, if you're a Jets fan and like, that's not the case. The Vikings are a marginally good team. I think they could have beaten the Chargers. I think they could have beaten Tampa. Um, I think they can win differently than they have now. I don't think they're going to win every game. I think they won't win more games after the Niners. I don't think it's all going to be with defense. Um, the issue, and I think this is what we keep coming back to, is like there is risk in winning eight games, nine games, because it's just like, how do you get better from there? Unless you're on the way up. And that's, you know, I don't even know if the deadline affects it. I think you take a good deal from now, Hunter, if you can. If there's a killer deal for Cousins, I think you present it to him and go, hey, dude, you know, one year in New York, and then you just, you know, relocate your family, or whatever, whatever the next step is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, it's just, I think it'll be an exciting game. I think US Bank Stadium is always cool at night. I think there's going to be some fun moments, probably early when the score is close, but I don't think the Vikings win. I think the bigger issue is like, how do you drive engagement all year long when you kind of look like the 500 team that Zimmer had, you know, just a year removed? So, Closing the show, basically, we were going to talk a little bit about the. I mean, there, there's just too many unknowns when it comes to Monday night's game because yeah, McCaffrey, McCaffrey yeah. didn't. Yeah, McCaffrey didn't practice on Wednesday or excuse me Thursday. My days are all mixed up. Yeah. Samuel didn't practice. Trent Williams didn't practice. Uh, Williams was slamming a helmet, so I mean that doesn't sound good at all. Like I, I don't like everybody talking about those. But their defense is intact and their defense is really, really good. Brandon Ayuk still really, really good. It's like George Kittle's just like a sleeping giant right now. And everybody's kind of forgotten about because he's torpedoed everyone's fantasy team. But he can be he can be a game wrecker at times. You know what I mean? And Brock Purdy as well. He is very good against the Blitz. It, it feels like, you know, if they had Justin Jefferson win this game, maybe it could be a little bit closer. Nature says it's going to be a one-score game. What's your prediction for uh, Monday night? I almost called it Sunday, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I do think it's one score because I'm saying the Vikings will cover. And that's I'm not, like, giving out gambling advice. I'm not really qualified to do that. Like, I just... 1-800-TOM-SHRIER. That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, get your hot takes today. I'm not here representing, like, a gambling outfit. I just... It, I'm just saying that to say, like, I think people and naturally you would like look at a seven point spread and go, man, the Vikings are just going to get stopped. And th- that is possible. I think it's more in that like four point range, like kind of where you the opposite of like, I never felt that the Bears game was in that much jeopardy. I don't even know how much I thought. I'm trying to think back to that Carolina game, but like, I think it's even like think of like the Chiefs in reverse, right? Like, I never was like, man, I think the Vikings have this. There were times where I thought they were building momentum, but it never kind of rolled enough. Um, and so, uh, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just think, um, it will be relatively close. One score, I think it'll be like, I think it'll be one of those things where you go, yeah, the score didn't really represent the game. The Niners seemed in control most of the time. I also think the reason why some of these teams get upset, and we talked about the Niners that happening last week, we could talk about the Eagles. Coaches get conservative, and especially with a Niners system that's a little more running based. Like, I just think it's going to be like you just, you're more prone to a closer game because, like, why are you having Purdy air it out? It's not like they're, I mean, I think Murphy can make a play, but like, you know, that I don't think they're super worried about Murphy and Evans, like they're Xavier Rhodes in the prime or whatever. But like, I think why, why, why do that? You know what I mean? And I, th- I think there will be explosive plays. I think, I think like whoever's healthy, you're going to see the best players make plays. I think it's more like that blueprint of like defensive play. Cause I think it was Wanham, right? Who brought it back the first time Hicks, um, kind of leaning on these like sloppy, like, I just don't think you're beating the Niners 
seventeen fourteen or like we you almost have to think of like a slop year so sixteen thirteen you know what I mean like I just don't think that's the um I don't think that's the way they win this game um uh and therefore like I just think it's gonna feel like Niners are stifling enough you're not getting the explosive plays um I love this dude from California who just reached out and was yeah, like What's just, up? he's probably a Niners fan um, let's see yeah just yeah saying, I don't, yeah. I don't think, yeah, I think the, uh, um, I don't think the Niners are going to like, uh, blow them out just because like, if you're Shanahan, I think you're just going like, Hey, have kind of a clean road game here. I do think the crowd's still going to be a distraction, a factor for him. Um, I think he's, I think he's gonna be a little wary of like, Hey, this team has, you know, produced some, some defensive plays. Like again, not worried about the defense in general, but just like single plane that kind of changes the ebb and flow of the game. And I think they are going to be careful with Addison. I know people go oh, without Jefferson. He's still a dynamic player. And like, I think they are going to like focus on, on Hawkins. Like, oh, he's dropping the ball at the time. Well, why would you bank on more drafts from Hawkinson? Right. Part of the reason why he's making drops is he's pretty well covered when the ball comes his way. Um, and so I just think the Niners are capable of kind of shutting down everything without Jefferson. And I think it's going to be one of those games that feels like you'll look at the final score, but anyone who watched it will go like the Niners were in control the whole time. Vikings kept it close because they always do. I think, it will be this feeling afterwards of, again, I think you're looking at six pretty winnable games by week in the middle. Like, how do we feel about those games afterwards? If, if the Niners stomp them, you feel pretty bad. The Vikings upset, you feel good. But at least for me, I go, I don't think the guarantees you go on a run. If you hang with the Niners, and actually, if the Vi- no one's going to say moral victory, no one's going to say, like, ah, I felt good about this game we lost. But, like, if you come away and go, common sense dictates, like, this team actually feels pretty good about itself afterwards, I think you'll actually go, hey, this team might win five uh, win six if it if they get really fortunate even win four and kind of hover in that 500 i know you're not gonna be satisfied with that i mean it's a little hard writing on that because like 500 teams just aren't super exciting but um uh but yeah a lot of a lot of unhinged material for me in that case but yes yeah, this uh, by the way, our California friend, uh, big Niner fan. Yeah, yeah, I put that I'm not on knocking the, the Niners, yep. dude. I think the Niners are good. I'm saying they're going to win, but um, uh, I think the yeah, I mean, I think it's just uh, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think what the messaging from the Vikings is going to be, no matter win or lose, actually, is going to be um, obviously you go win next week, want to know all this stuff. But I think if you catch them in an honest moment, they'll be like, hey, we can get 500, and then we just have to take care of business at the end of the season. And I, I get that's how a team has to think. But again, going back to how this affects everything, I think it means potential Jefferson return if you hover around 500. I think it means you're not trading players at the deadline. Uh, certainly, Cousins is not going. Like, they, they, you know, trying to answer all these questions we, we've been asking to talk about, I think that is the team's approach is that they're like, no matter what happens in this Niners game, they have to know this is winnable going forward here. And I think it's a matter of are the Vikings what they were in the beginning of the season or really at the end of last season in the playoff game? Or is there some DNA somewhere there from the previous season because of the better culture? Because, you know, like O'Connell's different than Simmer, all this stuff temperamentally. Can they recapture the magic in the middle of the season? Meaning, for God's sake, maybe win a couple of these games by more than one score. But in the one score games, do they win them? Right. And like, that's what you're going to have going forward. It's the, it's the nature of kind of where they are. Well, Californero is going to like this one because I'm going to say Viking or excuse me, 49ers 27, Vikings 10. I just don't think the <laughs> Vikings. I just don't think the Vikings have the firepower in this game. And, and like I've said the last couple episodes of this podcast, the Vikings suck. Like they're not a good <laughs> football team. Like they fumble all over the place. They yeah, have no turnovers. running game. Their defense better, but still not good enough. And Brock Purdy is blitzing him is right in his wheelhouse. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I would love to see the Vikings win. Actually, I'm not even sure if I want that because I I want a new quarter. I want the shiny new bike, right? I, I've ridden the old one. I got the hoppy. You know, it's it's not exactly, you know, uh, the chain's falling off or whatever. I'm too lazy to fix it. Like, get me a new quarterback. Have him pair with Justin Jefferson. And let's play this thing out. So, I don't know. That That's that's the way I'm feeling right now. Um. Tom, I'll, I'll leave you with this. What do we got going on at zone coverage right now? Yeah, zonecoverage.com. We uh, not only are covering the Vikings, but the Packers. I doubt there's many Packers fans listening to this. Uh, but, you know, we are looking at not just the matchups, obviously, even if you just want to get in the X and nose, even if you just love Daniel Hunter, there's a piece, a film piece on him. I wrote something about Jordan Hicks. Again, you know, not quite barring Kendricks to Vikings fans, but really interesting guy who's who's kind of having a moment right now. 
Uh, Rob Searle's looking at Quasi and kind of why he hasn't drawn from his San Francisco background, meaning look at where the Niners, what they've drafted, looking at trenches and defense and and kind of, you know, the, the Vikings have marked on the Addison route and trading down instead of taking Jordan Davis or, or Hamilton and stuff like that. So um, Searle's looking at kind of more draft strategy and, and big picture GM stuff. So variety of content on the Vikings. If you like the twins, if you like the wolves, if you like the wild, if you just want to hate read about the Packers, I guess like you can, uh, there's daily content on all those teams. I, I will say this. If you are a Vikings fan who is, uh, cannot stand just focusing on one team again, uh, you know, wild aren't after a great start, but we have daily content there. We will look a lot at the twins playoff run and their series and stuff like that. Um, Timberwolves, you know, like hey, new season, anything can happen. Uh, Anthony Edwards looked good. Cat looked good in FIBA. Uh, but, uh, um, and if you're just a diehard Vikings fan, like you're, we're not just focused on matchups. We're not just focused on the big picture. Everything isn't doom and gloom. It's not incredibly positive right now, but, um, but you know, like you just get a variety of different takes, different expertise. So check out zonecoverage.com. Uh, you know what Quasi should do? Maybe he should sign his veterans to like ironclad, uh, no, no like the wild deal. Yeah. yeah. Just. Marcus Foligno, I like him, so I signed him for five years or four years, and all yeah. that team, that wild team, looking, and, wild looking bad. Yeah, and uh, people who come out and say they have the best goalie tandem in the NHL. Yeah, Flower looked great last night. Flower. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Uh, where could people follow you on? Uh, yeah, social media at T Shredder three. I suppose I should have thrown that on the uh, on my name or whatever there, but yeah, S C H R E I R T Shredder three. Um, Otherwise, just check out the site. Like I said, we have a lot of good writers. I edit everything on the site. Um, I tell you not to get us sued. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like I said, it's daily content on the Vikings. A lot of different Friday, different perspective. Um, uh, uh, we will be fun to read and entertaining no matter what the teams do. Challenge accepted. But that is all the time we have for the Viking Age podcast. We do this every Monday and usually Thursday night right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. But we are also on Apple and Spotify the very next day. Do not forget to rate, comment, share, and subscribe so you never miss a new episode and we can spread the word to the masses. For Tom Schreier, I am Chris Shad, and you've been watching the Viking Age Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.